This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, this is Ernest Charton Jr., Marcus from the Jefferson, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Well, all right. Draft dodger, fugitive from justice, you know, FBI. How would you like the FBI coming to have dinner with you here? Oh, Archie, we ain't got enough turkey. Welcome to the long Tony Figueroa, Donna Allen, and our guest, Jay Moriarty. Jay spent seven years as a staff writer, producer, and later showrunner of The Jeffersons while his memoir, Honky in the House, takes you behind the scenes of The Jeffersons while also providing a capsule history of the so-called golden age of TV sitcoms as well as insight into why Norman Lear is one of the smartest, shrewdest, and most courageous producers television will ever know. Honky in the House, available online right now Amazon.com. Jay Moriarty is also the co-writer, along with his longtime writing partner, Mike Milligan, of The Draft Dodger, The Draft Dodger, the famous episode of All in the Family that aired on Christmas night, 1976, and an episode to which Norman Lear made a very important contribution. We'll talk about that a little later on in the conversation. Norman Lear will celebrate his 100th birthday on Wednesday, July 27th. Jay has another book, that he just released. We'll ask him about that in just a second. We'll also continue our conversation about the first store, the first store, the episode of the Jeffersons that Tony, Donna, Jay, and I were talking about before we went to break. But first, I don't think I asked you this. There's a wonderful cartoon portrait of the cast of the Jeffersons on the cover of Honking the House. Who did that, Jay? It's uh, Glenn Hansen, who's a wonderful artist. You can find his stuff on time, but he does great caricature stuff. So Glenn, uh, Glenn did that. My uh, my better half got that done as a, a birthday present, a custom from Glenn. I ended up putting it on the cover of the book. But uh, yeah, that's the cast of, of the Jeffersons. But I uh, I, could, I want to come. I want to find out when Tony and Donna are on next time, so I can come back and hear them. They must, <laughs> must have some great stories if everybody comes back and listens to Tony. Uh, you know, I was thinking of the episode, the, the first store, because when I first saw it, and I think this was, this has to be like 1979, 1980. You were back uh, to me, it was, you know, I, and I remember I was a, a, a teenager, but it, I felt this sense of nostalgia because I got to see the Lionel, who I remember, first introduced in All in the Family, because Michael Evans looked the same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, we got to meet Lionel before we got to meet his parents on All in the Family. And uh, Michael Evans was so great in that role, especially when he would go off with uh, Archie. I mean, there's so many great right. comedic moments. But then to see that this character, you know, graduates college, marriage, has a child and all. But then to get to revisit the, the Lionel that we knew before we actually met him on All in the Family at that point. To see, the, you know, the... You know, the militant uh, Lionel, the one that, you know, used to go out you know, to protest with Meathead and, uh, you know, that guy. So I thought it was kind of cool to have that sense of uh, yeah, I, visiting I'm a watching. younger version of Lionel because we didn't know George and Louise at that time yet. Right, right, right. So, well, I felt exactly the way you felt when I, I hadn't watched the shows for a while. And so I, re- 
start writing that book again. And I, when I watched uh, the, the first Thor and saw Lionel, I think he, boy, it would have been bad news. I mean, if, I, if you didn't do that, it really added the way you saw. You got to saw, see Lionel, and you know, and he was the great. He was the part of the great part of that cast. You know, he left for a while, and, and they recast Damon Evans to play yeah. Michael. And Damon, uh, you know, I write about that in the book too, and why he's gone and why he left. But he, I always thought from the beginning he had kind of a preppy thing, which was good. But but uh, Mike Evans was more believable as a kid who grew up in Harlem. You know, he had a little more street to him, and uh, and he was hip enough to handle Archie with with the way he did. You know, at the beginning of those shows, and and we kind of missed it. But when after Damon was gone, Damon had been gone about it a year or more. Um, we did show with no uh, Lionel, you know. We brought back the, the brother, you know, the, the zebra brother and all that kind of stuff. But Norman, uh, when we went on hiatus in the sixth, or no, in the fifth season, whenever it was, Mike and I, yes, I guess it was after the fifth season, Mike and I were now the so-called showrunners, you know, in those days it was just executive producers. And, uh, but Sherman called and said, you know, I ran into Mike Evans at a beach or somewhere and he said, I told him we got new exec producers and uh, you should call. And then he said, yeah, sure, have him call. So Mike called and Mike came in and talked and, we, and it was great. You know, we welcomed him back with open arms and now we could do more stories because we'd already established uh, Lionel and, and Jenny, the characters, had, had a baby. And now, now we could do stories about with the baby and, uh, and uh, oh, actually we didn't, did we? We had the baby. That's right, because now we could do the baby. You know, it, the same time there was a draft Dodger Christmas show that Mike and I wrote, we also wrote the Jefferson's Christmas show, which was Lionel and Jenny getting married. That was Damon Evans when he was there. Yeah. Once we got him married and once Damon kind of self-destructed and, and was gone from the show, I was kind of surprised Norman didn't want to recast the character like he did with, with uh, uh, well, like he did when Mike Evans left. He just recast him. So why not recast him again? But uh, nothing happened. I was surprised, speaking of surprise, I mean, when John Amos left, uh, when he was let go, whatever, however, as Norman described it, for reasons known only to John Amos, John Amos left the show. But I was surprised Norman didn't recast that character. Instead, he, you know, there's an interesting story, and I tell it in the book about, about uh, you guys are all in the family of Jefferson fans. There was a time when, when Carol uh, O'Connor held out for like four shows, he wasn't coming yeah, back. Sure. So Norman asked two of the writers to write a uh, an episode of where Archie dies, and don't tell anybody. But of course, his agent, Carol O'Connor's agent, found that out. It wasn't long before it made a deal, and he was back. But that same script with John Amos left. That's what the script they used it for uh, uh, the Good Times on film or. Uh, yeah, for good times. John Anderson. Yeah. They're, they're, wow. The Good Times episode starts out where they're all coming back from the funeral. The, orig the original episode is written, and it's pretty much that way for Good Times now, too. They can't, Edith has not cried. And the kids are worried, you know, Gloria and Mike, I mean, what, why is mom not crying? And at the end, you find out she hasn't cried. She's afraid of, if she starts crying, she'll never stop. And then at the end of the show, and in this case, that's the role, starts crying. I mean, it's. Mm -hmm. Another powerful show. Uh, it, was, it was interesting that the same script now is, is how John Amos left. And, and I, I can see 
the all in the family version in my mind, I could see Gene Stapleton mm -hmm. in that episode. That's yeah. Well, you know, they finally did that where where she dies. Yeah, a couple of years later, it, it was sort of the inverse in that yeah. um, it was, if I remember correctly, they did it as an hour long show and it, it it takes place a month after the funeral. Yeah. And Archie is repressing his grief. And then finally, in the final act, it hits him and he sobs uncontrollably. And yeah, you guys may remember that episode there. More than I did, because I was working so much. You were working on you were working on another show at the time. <laughs> you know, in those days there was no VCR, so if you weren't home to see the episode, yeah. you... no, that that on the the Archie Bunker's place, I should say, was on just a couple of nights ago. That episode, that particular episode Isn't where Archie deals where with he, death, where he sees a shoe or something, of, yeah, slipper of yeah. hers, and then he, yeah, that must I, it almost like I, I've never watched it because it's like, you know, it's too hard to, to watch. I mean, I don't know if I want to think about that. You know, um, Norman called when Archie wanted to go on with the show. Norman wasn't involved anymore in Archie Bunker's place. That was a deal that Carol made with CBS because CBS wanted to keep it on because it was getting ratings. And Norman finally wasn't in favor of it. He did seven seasons. He wanted ten, but, but they actually did nine. And they were, anyway, Norman gave him, but before he gave in, he called Edith and called Gene Stapleton and said, you know, Edith, or uh, Gene, they want to they wanna kill off Edith. And, and according to Norman, she said, you know, uh, you know, Norman Edith is not a real person. <laughs> and he said, to me, she is. And, you know, but she didn't care. Gene Stapleton was like, you know, Carol wants to do a show and they want to kill off Edith. But she, she didn't want to come back. But, um, yeah. yeah. What I... What I remember with the Good Times episode that hit home when I was younger is that the the kids didn't understand. Uh, this was like their first experience with the funeral, and they couldn't understand why at the reception in their apartment in Cabrini-Green Cabrini is that grown-ups were laughing, and they were joking, and they were reminiscing, and being, and they were just getting angrier and angrier, and they left the room. How... And then they're mad at their mother. How dare she be joking, you know, when our father's dead, you know, and not understanding that that's part of the tradition. And that's, well, that's because they're not Irish. Yeah, they've never been to an yeah. Irish wake, you know, mm -hmm. they're drinking and laughing and joking and telling stories about the dead guy. It is kind of a weird thing. <laughs> yeah, so they couldn't. Understand. And then at the end, when everybody leaves or pretty much uh, the, the last couple of people are pretty much pushed out of the apartment so she could be alone. And then she loses it. And then the kids see her cry. But it was, yeah, it was very uh, powerful, which I don't think anybody else has ever captured that. I mean, it's... it's uh... might have done that, you know, and Norman might have liked that script so much that he, he did it. That he just, it was worth killing off the character. <laughs> I don't know. But, um... but that show, surprisingly, and I know all the, I know the Zach as well, you know, the, the good times people, and they... Uh, to their credit, that show kept going, you know, and I think a lot of young people in the African-American community, that's where they could tune to see people that looked like them, the young people, and, uh, uh, you know, Jimmy and and Bernadette and, the, and uh, Ralph Carter, they, they stayed on that show, and they even brought Janet Jackson on the show, and, you know, it, it held the audience. Uh, and then, actually, Esther came back, I think, after a 
Yeah, yeah she left. She, she left for about a year, and then she came back for the yeah. last two years. Yeah. And she remarried and went went away, and then came back without the husband. Yeah. Um, Moses Gunn. Yeah. I'm also thinking there was another one when Michael Evans returned when he found out he was going to be a father, which I thought was a really good episode because he realized his world was going to be totally different. And he said, well, I can't do the things I used to do. I can't spray paint my name on a bridge. And he and George went out and got drunk to spray paint their name on a bridge. Yeah, that's interesting. You remember that. Yeah, that was, uh, well, Michael Moy wrote that script, but that we all kind of worked on. The, the big thing there, we wanted, we did that. We thought that'd be great to have him go out and spray paint a bridge, but we'd have to build that set. So Michael Moy and I went to Alan Horn and said, can we build a bridge? And it was going to cost $8,000. So we had to beg him to let us spend the 8000 he wasn't he wasn't going to give in at first but he finally did you know and he said well just and he had some of the other shows don't don't be building sets just keep it with him and he said okay well yeah we'll make up for it so but we got to build that set and uh, i write about it in the book there's a couple other things i won't go through now but about that scene with michael evans mike evans but uh yeah that's i think you you remember that cause, yeah that's what he was getting it was, it was a fun father-son bonding thing, yet yeah. they were drunk, so they, that you know it had the, the comedy there and the sight gag of some guy named Sam when the M was obviously spray-painted. Well, you're, yeah, you're yeah. Great. You remember everything. You yeah. remember. That was uh, called The Expectant Father, and Lionel was nervous now. Geez, do I really want to be a dad? I don't, I don't feel like I even got to be a kid. Now I'm going to be a dad. And, uh, yeah, he starts talking, and well, what, what would you want to do if you were a kid? He, well, I never got to paint it. Well, let's go paint it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you got two guys have been drinking on a, on a bridge trying to climb up and spray paint it. Tony's recall of certain shows is frightening, but that's another conversation. Uh, the Expectant Father, the backstory of The Expectant Father is one of the many stories that Jay Moriarty goes into in his excellent memoir, Honky in the House, Writing and the Producing, the Jeffersons, Jay Moriarty, spent uh, seven years as a staff writer, producer, and later showrunner of The Jeffersons, Honky in the House, available online, Amazon.com. You can follow Jay Moriarty on Facebook. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. One more, and I want to tell you about Manscaped. Manscaped, the best there is when it comes to men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0 is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle and includes their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which not only features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology, but is waterproof, which means, guys, that you can now say goodbye to that mess on the bathroom floor. Go to manscaped.com, enter promo code CONFIDENTIAL, and you'll receive a 20% discount off your order, plus free shipping worldwide. Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Trimmer, which is also waterproof, their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Toner, plus two free bonus gifts, the Manscaped 
boxers and the shed travel bag. More than 4 million men worldwide have put their trust in Manscaped. And if my math is correct, that's about 8 million balls. Go to manscaped.com, manscaped.com, enter promo code confidential for a 20% discount plus free shipping. Manscaped.com. I want to go back to the draft dodger for just a second. If I remember, I don't think we talked about this. Uh, Could you mention the pinky character that Eugene Roach played in the episode? If I remember correctly, it was Norman who suggested that Pinky should be a gold star father. Right. That's the first time I heard that you know, term, gold star father. I was young then. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, no, that was Norman's idea. That's why I said when we got together, I, that came out of nowhere. I didn't, you know, he hadn't said that to us before. But, I mean, either way, you're going to have stuff going on with Archie, like, like he, our initial line with Archie was when he find you know, where do you live? David was from Canada. Oh, you're a, you're a hockey player or a draft idea, you know? Uh, and then and then the David Bruce, the character, says uh, probably too soon, but says uh, I'm a draft dodger or something. But yeah, I, what I'm saying is we could have got comedy, I think, out of it, but that the drama thing, you know, with the kid there, I mean, that, that had people just caught him by surprise. Like a cutoff. But Norman is, you know, I write in the book about how many times, that every time Norman comes up with something, I always was like, well, why didn't we think of that? You know, he's always, Norman was great with story. He was great with going after things that, that people wouldn't. I mean, the writers would come down for meeting with Norman the way he did with most shows and really not much with us, especially after John and them sent us, a, they did that, that suicide thing after that, they didn't send us up to talk to Norman. Hardly at all. But when Norman would meet with all the family writers and all family guys would come down, they'd sit, they'd be by the water cooler there and they'd be saying, uh, complaining. I go, well, what's the matter? Oh, now he wants Archie taking uppers or, or, uh, and now they're going to be swingers, Archie and, uh, and Edith are going to be, you know, and they would just complain about everything. But then at any time, you know, their names would be called up and they'd win a, an Emmy. For, but when Norman, when he did the rape thing with Edith getting raped, you know, that I thought, well, now they're crossing line. How are they going to make that funny? And I don't know if you guys thought that was funny or what, but it was. I have a story about that, which we'll tell you on the other side of the break. Jay Moriarty is with us via Zoom. Jay Moriarty, writer, producer, and later showrunner of The Jeffersons and author of Honky in the House, the story of his life and career behind the scenes of The Jeffersons and writing for other network television shows. Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen are with us. We hope you'll stay with us when we continue our conversation with Jay Moriarty here on TV Confidential. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, 
please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.